Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Today's episode is the final installment in our Making of a Messenger series. Check it out, and I hope it really provokes you to go deeper with Him than ever before and be one who speaks well of His ways. He has dealt so bountifully with us. Hey everybody, great to be together again today. This is Making of a Messenger Part 3. So many things that I want to share in this time together, but let me see if I can just bring it on down, okay, as this is the last uh, one that I will share specifically on this that I want to talk about. Will we, as a messenger, will we speak well of the ways of God and how he deals with us? You know, the scripture says that all of his ways have dealt bountifully with me. Now, that's not always what we're saying beforehand or during, but it must be what we are saying after. So I want to challenge you today that if you are a messenger uh, and you are one who is a mouthpiece and speaks on behalf of God, however that may be, whether as a preacher, a teacher, a mentor, uh, someone who is a public speaker. um, You know, I think one of the greatest places that we become a mouthpiece, mouthpiece for God is in our private conversations with other people. Do we speak well of his ways? Do we, as being a messenger, remember that means that we must be the message, is do we speak highly of the ways that he has dealt with us. Have we come to see how necessary they are? You know, I have mentioned on here um, many times how much I love to read the writings of the old saints, whether that's straight out of the scripture, if that is A.W. Tozer, if that's Watchman Nee, whoever that may be, I love reading them. Why? Because how highly they speak of the ways of God. And I love the richness of what it is that they have to say. And they highly encourage people to go this way. And they write about it and speak about it. I love Oswald Chambers and his devotion, My Utmost for His Highest, that Um, He always is encouraging us to go the way of God and to embrace the ways that he uh, accomplishes his will in our lives. So I think the number one uh, aspect that I would want to challenge you in today is, are you speaking well of the ways of God Or are you still complaining and, oh, is this really going to have to happen? And, you know, am I going to have to go through that again? And, you know, and, and still somewhat embracing the thought that God is really being too harsh and, and that this is, you know, you know, not necessary to have to have happen, you know, because when we do that, 
That means that basically I went through the squeeze, but I resented it the entire time. And and on the other side, I really, the squeeze had me coming out bitter. And I want to say to you that as a messenger, the only ultimate motivation for going this way is the fact that I get to know him better. I get to be more intimately and progressively acquainted with him. So on the other side, have I come to know him in a deeper way? Do I see the brilliance of why it is that he had to deal with me personally? Not just I'm telling other people how they need to be dealt with, but do I speak highly of how he has dealt with me? Why the cross is so necessary? Why it must be applied so powerfully, and may I just say so violently, towards the self-life within me. Have I come to see the need for that? How necessary that really is? Have I come to see that I don't really need all of my own opinions and all of my own natural talents and, and, and waxing eloquent in my own cleverness? You know, I've spoken about these things before, but I want to say again, have we come to see how necessary it is to divide the soul from the spirit? Or do we still hold all those things in high regard? Are we still more aware of our own sufferings than having entered into the fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus himself? This is why it's so important, you know, for us to look at, are we speaking highly of his ways? Because really the only way that that really happens is that we've come all the way through onto the other side and we realize, wow, he knew exactly what he was doing the entire time. I mean, if we love anything that Peter has written in the scripture after the denial, do we love what the Apostle Paul has written uh, after his road to Damascus experience? If we do, then that means that we think it's great in their life because that is what they were doing, is they were so pompous, they were so self-assured prior to the cross. But on the other side, once the cross had dealt with them so deeply, when they got up on the other side of the cross, when Paul got up on the other side of Damascus, on the other side, Peter got up, and said that we are those of like precious faith, and, and he did not think it even equal for him to be crucified except upside down. I mean, do you understand that when we say that we love the way these guys wrote, and oh, we just talk about how you know awesome they are, well, do we really believe that for them, and, and can we include ourselves in that? Can we be those that say... Yes, I think it's awesome the way that God dealt with them, and I think it is awesome how he has dealt with me, for he needed to deal with me in that same way. And what is that way? It's the way of the cross. It's what the cross is working inside of us, because that's the only thing that actually will end up producing um, Christ in us that produces the life and produces all of that. You know, can we be those that see the need for the natural mind to be crucified? Because in the natural mind, the mind of the flesh, it's hostile towards God. 
So do we speak well of God's ways that he has had to come and expose our ways of thinking that are less than his? I mean, we say we love the scripture, Isaiah 55, where God says, my thoughts are not anything like your thoughts. And yet (laughs) we allow our natural thoughts to exalt themselves above the knowledge of him consistently. So when we begin to speak well of the ways of God, we begin to say what he says, think as he thinks. And we begin to agree with God that the natural mind, you know, really just needs to be crucified. We don't need to, um, you know, guard any of those and to protect them and cater to them and indulge them. Because we realize, wow, those thoughts are exalting themselves. Listen carefully. Uh, uh, They are exalting themselves above the knowing of God. So if I indulge a thought that comes to me that says, you know, I'm just not loved and nobody cares for me, that is a thought that is directly attacking the very love, care, and presence of the Father in my life. And we say, oh yeah, but I mean like in human form. No, if you had his love, care, and presence as the overriding, uh, totally exalted, um, you know, love uh, that it is, and it is superseding all others, then there would not be the complaint as much towards what we don't have. It would be in the praise of who and what we do have. You see, to speak well of his ways means that I have been dealt with thoroughly. I've been dealt with bountifully. That means I've been dealt with in a really big, prosperous way. Rather than thinking, you know, if I go with God, he's going to whittle me down. There's not going to be much left, you know, as though going with God is something, you know, depressing, difficult, and dark. And I say to people, well, but hasn't your life already been somewhat dark, difficult, and depressing? You know, that's not because you went with God. Going with him is what really brings us into life. Like Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Are we experiencing that? Is our going with God truly bringing us into life with them? And are we speaking well of it? Are we saying the fact that he had to discipline me was a good thing? You see, in my life, I can say that God having scourged me. Now, that's a very strong word. That's basically like he loved me with a cat of nine tails. That's what I'm saying. And I required that. I required God to have to deal with me so strongly. I don't see that as God having been harsh. I see that as God saying, all right, girl, if that's what you're going to require, then I'm going to oblige. And that is what I required of him because I resisted him. I I would not yield to him. I thought I knew better than him. I thought he wasn't uh, doing what I uh, needed, uh, you know, in the timing that I thought I needed it. I did not like the way that God was handling things. And, and so all of that was surging as I was in the ministry, okay? So when God came to me and he was allowing every bit of it to be exposed, for every bit of it to fall apart, he was not doing it the way that I was dictating to him. And of course, at the time, the bitterness within me, the pain, the confusion, all of that was just swirling all about. But ultimately, when I finally fell upon him, because he was drawing me with his goodness, leading me to repentance, 
okay, that I began to realize, wow, I have resisted the very one that I say that I love. I have been ignoring his voice and his callings to me. I have chosen the belief that what others think about me is more important than who he is to me and who I am to him. I have whored myself after the approval of people. You know, I mean, I had to come to see all of that in technicolor panoramic view. But today I stand and declare, thank God he loved me so much that he would come for me. And I will also tell you that I believe that the reason that he did that was for his name's sake. I am not one of those that believes that God is just so pathetically in love with me that he just, you know, panders to me. No, I'm going to tell you this kind of love, the God kind of love, is a love that comes after me. And I'm going to tell you that ultimately, I believe, yes, of course he loves me. But God has loved me in such a way that it declares his goodness to heaven, to earth, and to hell. And we, that, that I want to be one who stands and speaks as the message, as a messenger to say, oh, yes, he does love me. And that it is to declare that he is good and exalting that above as though I am, you know, the all in all. Yes, he loves me. No, he loves me. There's an order even in that statement. He is good. He loves. And yes, he loves me. But I am not the full focus of that statement. I thank God that I am within the focus of that statement. I thank God that I am included in that, but I am not the full-blown focus of that statement. So I stand and I speak highly of his love, but it is him, it's his love, it's his goodness that takes the high point, that takes the high focus, that becomes the bullseye, that is the target of all that is happening. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. So we just want to include in all of this declaration that yes, he did come for me, is that he, he and he alone came, sought after, pursued me. Yes, his love is powerful. And yes, it will come after us. But I want to say that his love is paramount and he will make a display of his goodness in the midst of my unfaithfulness. He will declare his faithfulness in the midst of my infidelity. I want as a messenger, I am not here to say that, oh, no matter what I did, God just has loved me. What I want to say is that when I speak highly of his ways, what I'm saying is he is good. He is perfect in all his ways. He has dealt bountifully with me. You see, I believe ultimately God does that for his name's sake. He does it to declare who he is. And I want to be one on this side of his dealings with me, 
for yes, he has dealt bountifully with me. I want to be one on this side that stands and says, says he is good. He is right and perfect. Whatever he does, it is perfection. It is perfect. There is no flaw in it. There is no shadow or turning. There is nothing that is diminished within who he is. Are we this kind of messenger? Have we had all of our confusion about his goodness cleared up? Have we allowed him to deal with all of our controversy concerning him? Because that's what the cross does, my friends, because it puts to death the self-life, all right, that would still try to be operative in a believer's life that would still try to exalt itself and say, somehow I've been more faithful than God has. I have loved God, and why has he let these things happen? You know, recently I made a post on Facebook from a memory. Um, you know how they do on Facebook. They show you these memories of things that you've posted in the past. And so I recently reposted it because many times people ask me, well, you know, why did God let my parents do such things to me or you know, why is he allowed, you know, Nancy, uh, why was your dad allowed to abuse you the way that he did? And so I say to people, wait just a minute. Now, um, the same way that we could ask that question, I could ask the question, well, why did God let me act like an idiot at my house with my kids? Did God, you know, barge in and force me to behave? No, he never did. But has he given me his life has he shared with me total freedom and his ability to walk in self-control and to live a life privately and publicly that are pure and holy? Yes, he has. But have there been times that I refused that because I wanted my own way and I wanted my children to serve my purposes, etc., etc.? Yes. Were there things that my dad or my parents did that were unholy, ungodly, that brought great harm to me? Yes, they did. Did they have the same access to Christ within? Yes, they did. Did they take hold of it? No, they didn't. Were they maybe ignorant of it? They might have been. Why? Because lack of messengers. Let me just bring it on around. Because where there are the lack of those who have been dealt with, who share the actual real message of freedom and then are willing to um, you know, execute that message and to be that message and to disciple people and to walk them in, in the local churches, okay? There oftentimes people are living the best they know how with what little they have. And we have propagated and promoted such lies and untruth within the church that the church itself is riddled with sin and and um, sexual sin, and uh, is just is literally up to her eyeballs, okay, in things that are just so ungodly. Is that because God has not provided? God has not made it possible? No, it is not. It is because man continually refuses or remains in unbelief or, um, you know, has not accessed the full freedom. So this is why messengers who are the message, getting that message out, being willing to walk with people, willing to do that, and then ultimately every single one of us 
is personally responsible for the depth of freedom and liberation that we take hold of in our life. If we don't like the hell and the sin that we see, what are we going to do about it in our own deep personal response to the freedom that Christ has brought us on the cross? You see, messengers, my friends, and the breed that they are of, the breed of the cross, is very important. We don't need messengers who are soulishly uh, eloquent and you know brilliant in their IQ. We need people who have been dealt with by the cross to speak well of his ways, to speak well of him, so that at least every person has the opportunity to truly enter in to the real freedom. If we don't like the death and the dysfunction and the demonic that we see, what are we doing about that with what God has offered to us? I am going to speak well of God's ways. I'm going to speak highly of him because I want him to be known. He's the only, the only way that I have any personal freedom. The cross is the only power that he has given and that has been afforded us that is able, and I may say well able, to deal the death blow to hell that it needs in our everyday lives and in our systems and and uh, power structures within the earth. All right. We've got to be those that understand that being a messenger has tremendous, tremendous ramifications for this hour of history. So will we be those who speak well of him rather than walking around confused and we just don't understand why God lets all these things happen, which which absolutely um, almost like totally leaves us as though we have no responsibility. My friends, real true personal change comes when we personally respond to God himself. So can we determine to do that? Can we speak well of his ways? Can we speak highly of him? Will we let him deal with us finally instead of us trying all these clever ways, which are really uh, masquerading as ways we stay independent? We want to be those who say, God, we have accepted you. We have received you as our God, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our life. Now come and deal bountifully with me that I might be one who will speak well of your ways. You see, my friends, we cannot remain clueless in this hour of history. We cannot be confused. We're the only free people on the face of the earth because freedom is found only in Christ. It is not the rich and famous that are free. It is the humble person (laughs) who has humbled themselves before God, received Christ as the only answer to the human condition, gets up in the power of that life, begins to be discipled, to, to really live as who you are in private, not just on a platform, but in private, and that we begin to take that and we begin to advance the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. And they become those who speak well of God because they know him intimately and progressively are becoming uh, you know, acquainted with the wonder of his person. This is how the messengers of the Bible spoke. This is how the messengers of centuries past have spoken. This is how our, our um, uh, contemporaries have spoken who have been dealt with uh, by him is they speak well of him and they do not cut self and flesh uh, any slack whatsoever because they've been delivered from themselves and unto him. Can we be this breed of messenger? 
So I know that I have spoken somewhat off the cuff today, and I meant to. I didn't want to bring a bring just a teaching. I wanted to be a living messenger, a living message uh, to you today is I will speak well of him because he has delivered me from myself. He has delivered me from me and unto him so that I can live as who he really made me to be, that I can uh, serve him and serve my generation. Is this what you want to do? Then embrace the work, invite the work, and trust him above all. Trust him to do it perfectly because he always does. All of his ways have dealt bountifully with us and the way and the work of the cross is the most bountiful of all. All right? So there you have it. So I hope that you will um, seek out to be, uh, truly be the message by simply responding to him and letting him work in you to deliver and to deliver powerfully and bountifully. All right? So I love you all. And until next time. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.